You're entering the GOAT Zoom Room. Welcome to a special edition of the GOAT Zoom Room. It is Derby Week. We are just a couple days out from the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oaks. I'm Caitlin, and as always, joined by Andy. And today we are joined by another very special guest, Andrew Champagne, fellow podcaster and fellow handicapper. So, guys, I'm super excited. The Derby and the Oaks are so close. Um, Any early thoughts so far? Early? Starting to get Well, I guess not early. Um, I just want to know whether or not it's going to rain. It's not. It already has, I think, rained enough, not just for this week, but for like the next three weeks. Yesterday was a freaking monsoon. We're recording this on uh, Thursday, and it absolutely poured on Wednesday. Gary Stevens compared it to the rain before the Preakness, where he wrote firing line against American Pharaoh. That was the Preakness where in the uh, victory celebration, Victor Espinosa dumped out his boot, which was just full of water. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not exactly dry at Churchill as we're recording this, but the weather forecast seems okay. Hopefully that'll dry out pretty quickly. I know they're off the turf today, but you know, I imagine given two days to dry out for sure, we'll be fast for the Derby. I don't know about the condition of the turf course for the undercard, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I think we'll probably be fast for both the Derby and the Oaks. I'm just a couple hours up the highway. And yes, it is kind of a little bit of a soggier day today, but the rain's kind of off and on and it's light rain. There is some thunderstorms in the area, but I definitely think we'll dry out for both the Oaks and the Derby card. Like you said, turf course uh, might be good at the best, I would say. So, Um, Yeah, but it's Mother Nature's way of trying to Rollless, right? Like last year on Derby Day, the original Derby Day, it was sunny and clear. There were no clouds. And it, would, it wouldn't surprise me if Mother Nature decided to just be like, oh, sorry, it's raining. Sorry about it. Yeah, that, that'll happen. That'll happen. But regardless, it's it's a good field for both the Derby and the Oaks, of course. Fun betting race, even if you like essential quality and malafat. We'll go through a couple of the reasons why, but it, a lot of good wagering opportunities coming up the next few days, and I'm really happy to be able to join you guys. This is always a lot of fun. It so happy is. to have you. So let's just get right into it. It's Derby Day. It's one of those things to where everybody – looks forward to it. You get people that are now trained uh, workout analysts, replay authority, authorities. Uh, first thoughts when well, you guys saw the draw. Sure. Um, I didn't like known agenda at all, even before the Derby. I thought he was a prime bounce candidate. Him drawing the rail is actually a really bad thing for me because I thought he was going to take money. Now that he's on the rail, his price is going to be a little bit higher than I initially thought. So there isn't necessarily quite as much value going against him. Having said that, one of the big stories that we're going to hear about ad nauseum on Saturday is the fact that one Mattress Mac is going to be making a significant win wager on the favorite. That's Essential Quality, horse number 14. Now, mind you, I think Essential Quality can absolutely win, 
But what that means from a wagering perspective is he's going to be an underlay in the win wagering that's not going to apply in exactas, in doubles, in multi-race exotics, because that mattress Mac money is solely in the wind pool. So if you like essential quality, and I do, I think there are ways to make money that focus a lot more on the exotics than they do on the win end. Now, obviously, for the novice bettors out there that only bet once or twice a year, they're going to put their money in the wind pool, and that money can go a lot of different ways. But depending on who you're hearing from, he's betting either 2 million or 4 million into the pool. And that's going to be somewhere in between five and 10% of the total win pool. So essential quality is two to one on the morning line. We might get that price. He might drift down. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, but watch the exotic pools, watch the double will pays in the race before that, watch the pick four will pays. I think that's where you're going to get some value. If you like essential quality. I honestly think that with the uh, with the way the the way that Mac is going to put all that money in there, I actually feel that if you get with that money in there, if you get seven to five, eight to five, that's a pretty good. That's that's actually pretty solid to play. Um, but I think it's going. I think people are going to. I think the novices are going to see that and put a ton of money on that. So that's that's the problematic thing to that. I certainly agree with everything that you guys have said. Um, Andrew, you touched on Note Agenda. He's a horse that I like more for a, like the Belmont. I really didn't feel good about him coming into the Derby. He really wasn't on my radar. So him drawing the rail really didn't bother me. He wasn't my Derby horse to begin with. Um, agree with everything you guys said about essential quality. I do think this Derby reminds me of a lot like the year that Nyquist won. There's a really strong two-year-old champion coming in here. I mean, there's some other really good horses that are going to take some money that certainly have a chance to win. But um, this reminds me a lot of that derby, actually. He, he's the same type of horse. Um, the way I saw him turn away, highly mov- motivated, and go past him in the um, bluegrass, I thought that was definitely the biggest prep race. And I think that those are the two really big horses and my favorite um, handicapping tool, Carrie Thomas and Pete Dink's um, Patterns of Motion and her dynamics report really backed me up that highly motivated and essential quality are kind of the top two horses in here. Um, my only problem with highly motivated is I do not like that he does not switch leads in the stretch until very, very late. That's going to be a problem in the Derby. Yeah. Uh, highly motivated, a very good horse, a horse that had a nightmare trip, two starts back in the grade three Gotham. Do yourself a favor. If you haven't seen this, go into Equibase, look at the chart for that race and read the Naira chart caller notes. They have six lines on the trip that Highly Motivated had in that race. It is classic literature, and you need to see it. Now, as far as the bluegrass goes, I liked his effort in that race, but you look at the fractions he was able to set, 48-1, 1-12, whatever. This is a horse that is going to want to be on or near the lead, and I think there's some pace signed on in this race. Also, the pedigree concerns me a little bit. Buy into mischief out of a Warriors reward mare. 
I'm getting more than ready vibes with highly motivated. I think he's better going around one turn at the seven furlongs, one mile distance. And I can't wait to see if they try him in the Allen Jerkins at Saratoga going seven furlongs on Travers day, because I think that trip is right up his street. I think he's running in the wrong race for the right reasons. I do think he's going to be a wise guy horse and might get bet down a little bit from that 10 to one. If you're looking for an alternative to essential quality, I'm going to get a little crazy here and pose a hypothetical situation for you. For purposes of this conversation, let's assume life is good doesn't exist. Let's assume that Medina Spirit, after breaking his maiden by three lengths in December at Los Al, wins the Sham by 13 lengths, wins the Bob Lewis, wins the San Felipe by two and a quarter over Dream Shake, and then runs into a loose on the lead winner in Rock Your World in the San Anita Derby. What's Medina Spirit's morning line odds? Maybe eight to one? There thereabouts? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's 15 to one. We've seen this movie before. John Velasquez and Bob Baffert. And I feel as though if Medina Spirit gets home at, say, you know, somewhere between 12 and 15 to one, a lot of people are going to be feeling really stupid for having looked at this race and tossed the Baffert horse because this is sort of what he does. I need to use Medina Spirit in here. I think he's been working lights out since that race in the Santa Anita Derby. And the other thing that I'll throw in just for discussion is the California whip rule. That doesn't necessarily put front runners in the winner's circle, but what it does mean is if you have a horse that's loose on the front end, that horse becomes much, much, much tougher to catch. I think Medina Spirit tried in the Santa Anita Derby. I like the fact that he kicked on a little bit at the top of the stretch, and then the rider just sort of took care of him a little bit once he saw Rock Your World wasn't going to stop. But I like the fact that Medina Spirit tried to reel in Rock Your World at a minimum, I don't think Rock Your World gets that lone speed trip in this particular race. I think the early pace is going to be pretty quick. And I think Medina Spirit may well be the horse that's sitting in that prime stalking position just off the speed and gets first run on the pace setters turning for home. Is he good enough? Based on the buyer speed figures, he's competitive at his likely price. For me, he is a must use. Rock Your World... Go ahead. Rock your world and uh, Medina Spirit. I definitely will agree with you. They're they're wild cards to me. Um, I loved Rock Your World coming into this race when Cato River came out because I thought, okay, there's a chance that he could set the pace in here, but I think Medina Spirit's going to be right there with him. So I think it'll be those two, one and two, going into the first turn. So, I mean, we'll just have to see. I've read a few more things um, that makes me a little bit wary of Rock Your World than I was a little bit before. I still really like the horse and will still probably use him. One horse that I'm really excited to use in my exotics that has looked probably the best out of all the horses I've seen in the morning is King Fury. (laughs) Andrew is giving a big thumbs up. Yes, thank you. I like King Fury a lot underneath. I don't know if he's good enough to win this race, but here's what I know. He's two for three at Churchill Downs. His one loss at Churchill came with a really strange ride in the Kentucky Jockey Club. This horse is not an early speed horse. He just isn't. And then he goes out, presses the pace, 
tires, and we don't see him again until the Lexington. He gets that desired trip in the Lexington, and he runs away with that to win by nearly three lengths. Now, I don't know if he beat anything on that particular day, and I also don't know if maybe he's in line for a little bit of a bounce because that was a lifetime best buyer speed figure by a considerable margin. He earned a 96 there. His prior high was an 80. But here's what I know. There's a lot of early speed in this race. I think the early pace is going to be solid. And when Ken McPeak gets a horse on the right track, they tend to stay there. Sometimes it takes a little while, but once he gets a horse going the right direction, they tend to produce decent results more often than not. And his horses usually get better second off the bench, not worse. 20 to one on the morning line on that one. That's a horse that I think you absolutely need to use at least on the bottom of exotics, maybe as a B horse in some of your multi-race wagers. This is a horse that there was a lot of potential and hype for early on in his life. He sold for $950,000 at auction back in August of 2019. He's by Curlin. Stamina is not going to be a problem. And the damn terrace could flat fly was more of a miler than a classic distance type horse. But when she was right, she could blow the doors off of most fields. So King Fury, for me, absolutely a must use as well. And I'm excited that you brought him up. I love that horse. I'm, I'm really, really excited about him. Guys, is there any horses um, that based off of the draw, anything you've seen in the mornings, anything you've read, just any reason at all that you're like, uh, no way, not using that horse. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm the last night I did some, I did some stuff on, on uh, rock your world, uh, because somebody was, somebody sent me a text message, um, and said, Hey, look at how this horse is move, walking in the paddock for schooling. And I was like, okay, I looked at it. I'm like, not a fan. And then he got, and then he goes, look at this work. And he showed me the work, and I'm like, yeah, not a fan. And then I went back and looked at a couple other works of his, and then he has a work on April 17th that I absolutely do not like at all. Um, it's on XPTV, and he was with a horse called Tripoli out of the same barn, and the rider was trying so hard to get him to switch leads after he switched leads into the turn that he was trying to get out as well. So I'm not a big fan of the fact that he's trying to get out in a work, you know, two works before the Derby. And then the way he's walking in the walking ring, I'm well aware of the fact that they can work out of it, like warm up out of it. But if you're asking me to take a horse who's going a mile and a quarter and Medina Spirit's behind him, I'm going to take the, and a new rider to boot, I'm going to go and turn around and say, I'm going to, just throw that horse out because I just, I just can't trust that. Okay. No way, no how. Yeah. Um, it's not that I don't think rock your world is talented. It's just, I don't see a path to the winner's circle for him. I think there's a lot of horses signed on that are going to go early. Highly motivated is not slow out of the gate. Soup and sandwich has to go from post 19. I think you're going to see a legitimate pace set up in this race. And it's not going to be the kind of setup he got in the Santa Anita Derby where he was able to dictate terms the whole way around and won very impressively. Also, there's bounce potential here. You go a horse that ran 82 buyer speed figures in his first two starts, jumps up to 100 in the Santa Anita Derby. Maybe he's Barbaro and can run on anything. But looking at this, 
looking at inexperience and looking at the fact that he's coming off a lifetime best by such a big margin. I think there's going to be some regression there. And I do think he's going to be an underlay. Another horse that I think is going to be an underlay, and this is sort of a reverse wise guy angle. I keep seeing all this positive stuff on Obesos. Obesos has been working very well. I grant you that. What has he done in the afternoons against Louisiana fields that I don't think are all that good? To me, that's a horse that's going to take far more money than he should. And I understand that people want the horse that looks good in the mornings. I understand that this is a horse with a late kick, but he's 0 for 2 going around two turns. His two wins came at five and a half furlongs and at six furlongs. One of those was in an off the turf race. No thank you for me on Obesos. This is a wise guy horse that, yeah, I know the workouts look okay. At some point, he's got to deliver in the afternoons, and he just hasn't. Look, I'll be I'll be honest with you with Obesos. He, you know, his running style, every way he's look, you look at it, he really, really reminds me a lot of Country House, where really? he makes that where he makes that solid turn, he makes that run around the turn, and then he kind of flattens out. Here's the problem: at least Country House ran at four different tracks, right? This horse has been stable at fairgrounds, ran at fairgrounds. <laughs> And he's run the same race at fairgrounds with that long straight, with that long, with the long stretch. Yeah. And now you're going over to, to Churchill with the same long stretch. You're going to get a pace to run at, so I understand it. And I understand some people do the feet per second and all that, and they're really happy about it. But I, I'm not a fan of it. Not at all. If... If I'm being honest, I think the Obezos hype really comes from the fact that the connections are cool and have marketed the horse very well. <laughs> I literally, I literally think that is it because I have poured through replays, charts, everything. I'm like, what, what the hell? Like, I, like, I really don't understand it with this horse. Um, the toss for me in this race, and I'll tell you why is midnight bourbon. Um, I do not like the way he acts in the paddock. He has lost his mind the past two or three days in the paddock. Head case. Head case. Absolutely. No, no. He reminds me of Bodie hey, Express. Hey, you want to know something? I don't think it has anything to do with that. What races was he running? What races did he lose his mind in the paddock? I mean, he. I haven't really seen how he's acting in the paddock before races, but I see how he is acting at Churchill Downs now. Yeah, but I mean, he's a, he's a three-year-old stud. If he's running, if he's running against, if he's going and doing paddock, paddock schooling during a Philly race, he's going to get stupid. Remember Animal Kingdom. Yeah, that's a valid point. My thinking on Midnight Bourbon is is twofold. First of all, when you see film like what came out with Midnight Bourbon earlier this week. I just can't help but think back at the wonderful training job Neil Drysdale did with Fusaichi Pegasus 20 years ago. That horse was a legitimate head case. And the fact that Drysdale kept that horse together long enough to be able to get him into the Derby starting gate and win impressively over a good group. Remember, aptitude ran second and he was no slouch. That was one of the most phenomenal training jobs that I think nobody talks about. Now, as far as Midnight Bourbon goes, He's another horse that's going to go early, and I just think he's going to be compromised by the pace. I understand that Mike Smith signs on, and I know that's going to be the appeal for a bunch of different people. But I'm looking at this field, and I think if there's any runner you want out of the Louisiana races, 
It's Mandaloon. I think if you toss the Louisiana Derby, which was a bounce off of the Risen Star, his form looks a lot, a lot better. This is a horse that's been working well in the mornings and is another that's going to get that stalking trip, I think, two or three lengths off the speed. He is bred to want to go all day. He is in a mischief on the top, which doesn't necessarily bode well for a mile and a quarter. But you look at that bottom side pedigree, you see Brooch by Empire Maker. That's distance on distance on distance. I don't think the mile and a quarter is going to be too much of a problem for him. And he's another that I think you want to at least throw in your exotics at a little bit of a price. If I was going to be offering any advice as far as how to play this race, I would say an exact is Yakeem Medina Spirit and Essential Quality over those two, Mandaloon and King Fury. And maybe you throw Essential Quality in with an exact the box, essential quality with those horses, and then those horses with essential quality, just to give you a little bit of backup on those exactas that if essential quality wins or runs second is going to pay more than they should, given the money that's in that win pool. That would probably be the way that I'd advise there. There's a couple of horses we've talked about that I'm just not all that crazy about. No agenda drawing the rail, and I think as a bounce candidate, we've mentioned Obesos. We- We've mentioned Midnight Bourbon. Hot Rod Charlie, we haven't really talked about too much. Maybe we so, want to touch on that a little bit. So I'll tell I'll tell you something about uh, a couple just just to kind of go back a little bit. Um, how many of you are familiar with? I mean, all of you are familiar with Thoroughgraph, correct? Yeah. Yes. So I'm looking. I, I'm just looking at like the top contenders here that we've been talking about, right? And essential quality has run the same race two races in a row based on thoroughbred. He's had zero. He's had a zero number both times, right? Hot Rod mm-hmm. Charlie, who we've talked about. I actually like this horse. I like him more because of the way he's training up to the race. It's typical Doug O'Neill, the way he did it with Nyquist, the way he did it with I'll Have Another. Um, he, he just trains well, and his, you know, he's been really running consistently the same type of numbers on thoroughbred, which is what I like to see. With that said, I think he's got a huge shot because he doesn't need to lead. But he's also got that tactical speed that you need in this race to where he can sit off of the pace and make one run. And I like the, I like the rider. So, I mean, he's got a big shot here. I'm not saying I don't like Hot Rod Charlie because I think he does have a shot. I think he is coming in as one of the better horses probably in the top four of ones you definitely have to look at. I just – he's training, like you said, a lot of the same way Doug O'Neill did with I'll Have Another with Nyquist. I just don't think he is that same caliber as either of those two horses, if I'm being quite honest with you. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that assessment, Caitlin. I'm looking at this horse, and he ran a big race in the Louisiana Derby. If we're doing comparisons, to me, he hits me a lot like Mucho Macho Man, who had one of my all-time favorite statistics in horse racing. During the course of his last couple of seasons, you know how many horses Mucho Macho Man passed in the stretch? Zero. Zero. You know how many horses got by him in the stretch? Zero. Zero. Where he enters the stretch, I think, is where he's going to finish. And I just don't necessarily think he can keep up with horses that maybe might get the jump on him turning for home. He's a nice horse. I just prefer others in this race. His Louisiana Derby win was very good. He beat a number of horses that showed up in here. It's not like he's gotten his doors blown off by the likes of Essential Quality and Medina Spirit when he's run up against those horses. 
I just prefer others in this spot. And that's not necessarily a knock on Hot Rod Charlie, but every derby has one of those horses where you go, okay, would this horse shock me if he won? No. Do I prefer others that maybe offer a little bit more value? Yeah. That's about where I'm at with him. And that's not saying that I'd be stunned if he won, but that's one where if he won, I'd be at least at peace with it because, okay, I tried to beat this horse because I preferred others. Would be a C. I'm not an ABC player. I'm an AB player. That to me is one of the horses that I think fits that mold. And yeah, and, I, and I'm highly motivated. The same way as you. I'm, I'm an AB. I'm an A. I'm an AB player. I'm not an ABC player, right? So, yeah. I mean, just just give me just give me the fact, you know, like pregnant, just the facts. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Now I'm looking. There's a lot of. We talked about Mandolin a little uh, shortly before. He 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 bounced last race too based off the graph. So he's, he's bound to run a better race. And then the one horse that I accident absolutely am going to throw out is King, is uh, not King Fury. It's the horse on the second. Uh, like, like the, the King. King. And I'll tell you why. How many three-year-old two-turn races has uh, Wesley Ward won in his career? Not that many. Are, exactly. So I, I'm, I'm okay if he beats me. Yeah. And so that, that, that alone tells me that he's a throw out for me. There's one other horse that I do at least want to throw out there just for, just for kicks. Now, some of you out there who watch my show, Champagne and JD, will recognize this name because it's one of the great handicapping calls in my co-host's handicapping career. He had Bourbonic in the Wood Memorial at 70-some-odd to one. Was he drinking Bourbonic no. when he did it? No, he was completely sober and of sound mind. It was just a tremendous call. Now, my thinking is this. I do not think Bourbonic can win. I'm not going to go out on that limb. What I will say is every year there's one horse in the Kentucky Derby where you look at the chart and you go, how did that horse run third? How did that horse run fourth? And that's the horse that ultimately makes, say, your tries and supers pay insane amounts of money because it's a long shot nobody else had. If you subscribe to the notion that there's going to be a fast pace, the faster they go early, the better Bourbonic's chances figure to be. I don't think he can win. I'm not going to go there. What I will say is if you're playing tries and supers and you need a bomb to throw into that third or fourth spot, I wouldn't throw that horse out. I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And um, personally, I like the 20 post for that horse. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Kendrick Carmouche can take his sweet time getting out of the gate, get over to the inside and maybe give him the Calvin Burrell trip. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's a Kentucky I mean, Derby show. We had to mention Calvin Burrell at I, least. Just, no, no, no. I don't mind about the Calvin Burrell trip. What I'm saying is Kendrick Carmouche take his time. Come on. You know, you know, Kendrick is better on the lead than anybody else. Well, while that might be true, that didn't hurt him in the Wood Memorial. Granted, the Wood Memorial was not a good race. I am a New Yorker, by the way. I understand people have a fondness for Aqueduct and people long for the days when the Wood Memorial mattered. I don't know if it does anymore, man. And it's sad to say that, but it hasn't it, mattered. It hasn't mattered in, I hate to say it, year, decade. years or so, right? Because. Yeah. That was those were the days with Funny Side, with Empire Maker, with Bellamy Road, with one of those all-time great performances nobody talks about. No, 
Bellamy Road still talks about it. Trust me. He he makes himself. I saw him over the weekend. He's um, he's a sexy beast. How's he, he doing? One sexy beast, man. I will. Wow. Hey, you know, I, I'm just saying he's the most likable thing that's ever been associated with George Steinbrenner. Hey, how you doing? Um, anyway, though. Again, essential quality for me is my top selection. Is he a lone A? No. I was prepared to make him a lone A, and then I looked at the form and just got entranced by several things I was seeing with Medina Spirit. Medina Spirit is the other A for me. If you're looking at other prices to throw into your exactas, throw in Mandaloon, throw in King Fury. I still think this is an excellent betting race, even if essential quality comes in and pays five bucks and change to win. This is a really, really fun race to handicap, and it's a fun race to be able to sort of angle shoot because, look, if you're hoping to get the two-to-one win price on essential quality, you're probably not going to get it. But there are other ways to make money if that horse wins, and that, I think, is what ultimately we're all looking to do. We're all handicappers, and we're all trying to maximize the value of our opinions. If essential quality comes in, pays $5 to win, Say you spend 20 bucks on exacta tickets and the exacta tickets that you hit, hit for say a hundred bucks. You've turned essential quality from three to two to four to one. Is it sexy? No, but the math checks out. And if uh, yeah, I was to tell you, if you liked essential quality, I can guarantee you four to one, you'd take it. You just would. So that's something that I think is a really good parting message in here with the Derby find ways to maximize your own opinions. And that's a value that I think goes far beyond the Kentucky Derby. Remember, there are other races on the handicapping program at Churchill Downs. Obviously, you're going to want to bet the Derby. It's fun. It's the most exciting two minutes in sports. You're allowed to have opinions elsewhere on the program, folks. Don't be afraid to bet those either. I'm you know in. That, that's a, I think that's a perfect way to end this This. Uh podcast right there just awesome perfect Absolutely. no I'm happy. no i and i'm i'm grateful to you guys for having me this is always a lot of fun remember not, not that i don't want you to stick around but i mean that that pretty much was yeah i mean solid that's what that's what i think all three of us would say indeed yeah i i think we're all in agreement kind of i think we all saw the race the same way essentially yeah, and, and you'd think that, you know, hey, three people seen the same race the same way. Boring show. Da, 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 da. We had fun. It's a fun conversation with a lot of different angles and different ways we're looking at this race. I mean, Caitlin, you liked Rock Your World, I think, a little bit more than both of us did. There are a couple of horses that we each liked a little bit more than the others. It's fun. It's a difference of opinion. Let's go make some money. Wow. Let's do That's it. Awesome. Perfect. So you've been listening to the Goat Zoom Room show with Andrew Champagne and Caitlin Free and Andy Villanueva. And if you stick around, we will have a old friend's profile right after this. G-O-A-T Handicapping listeners, we are back again with another old friend's spotlight. Um, I'm going to do actually a really special one today since we are approaching very quickly the Triple Crown season. I'm going to talk about an old girlfriend today Um, since we actually at old friends have some females, they are called the old girlfriends. So I am going to talk about mystery trip. She is the last full out of weekend surprise born in 2001. She is of course the half sister to Prickness winner, summer squall and Belmont stakes and breeders cup classic winner, AP Indy. 
She was retired to old friends in 2020, September 2020. Um, our good friends over at Ellen J. Foxwoods retired her to the farm. She is in a paddock with her longtime buddy, Gold Round, who is the big sister to three-time Breeders' Cup winner and Hall of Famer Goldakova. So they are retired together at Old Friends. And if you're lucky enough, you may be able to see those two. She's a sweet girl. Um, thought she was definitely perfect to talk about for the Triple Crown coming up. She was unraced. She produced a few foals by Belong to Me, who actually lived alongside her brother at Lane's End for most of their lives. So mystery trip at Old Friends. She's pretty cool, and she fits for the Triple Crown.